We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, where the hottest breaking stories from the Camp Nou. I'm Dan Hilton, alongside Frances Tomas today for another La Grande Pregunta and some La Ronda de Preguntas today. We got some listener questions, some updates on Barca B, as well as the Barca Femini. Of course, if you're new to the podcast, we ask you, and even if you haven't done it yet, give us a review, five stars on iTunes if you've got an iPhone, and also subscribe to the show if it's an Android you're using, it's Google Play, and on Spotify on either device. Of course, on social media, we've got some handles for you, at the Barcelona Pod, pretty simple there, or myself, at Hilton D13, but I'm usually attached to most of what Frances is doing as well, and on Instagram, at the Barcelona Pod, so that's pretty easy, the Barcelona Pod, on across all of social media, and barcelblog.com, of course, is where you're going to see a lot of our different content, as well as articles throughout the week. Frances, while we'd like to get to La Gran Pagunta that deals with the aftermath of the Atletico Madrid match, of course, a 1-0 win for Barcelona. If you're listening to this show now today, obviously, you probably watched that match and know what happened in it. But last week's show, we talked about Antoine Griezmann, and we really, after his four-goal perform- performance a week ago, we were singing his praises, and Barcelona completely shut him down. I don't think our minds have changed on whether or not Antoine Griezmann would be a positive player at Barcelona, but it certainly is a compliment to the Barcelona defense that Antoine Griezmann and Diego Costa and the rest of the Atletico Madrid attack was nowhere to be found in yesterday's game. Absolutely. That, that for sure is the key positive from the game. I mean, getting Diego Costa, Antoine Griezmann and all the players you mentioned um, and having them basically not even getting a sniff on goal, that has to be a major point in our favor. Now, clearly, you've got people like Piquet, Umtiti, that excelled. But, you know, it was a whole team effort. I think the cohesiveness, the collaboration, the sacrifice for each other was the main reason why Barca got the victory. Obviously, Messi's free kick did help quite a bit as well. And the guy's unique. And, you know, we could make 70 hours long podcasts just talking about how great Messi is. And we may do that someday. But um, we're not going to do that just today because, you know, we we could do that every single week. But um, I think... Based on what Messi can bring within a solid team, that is the main reason why Barca has gone on to the best unbeaten streak in recent memory, the best unbeaten start to La Liga in history. And that's why we are leading La Liga with eight points against Atletico. And also, we can't forget that we've got the goal average in 
in our favor. So the goal difference in, in case of a tie is also in our favor. So it's a very positive way and positioning to be in La Liga. And as you said, Griezmann didn't get a sniff. Now, La Gran Pregunta today has to do with a little point that honestly, I didn't, ho I really did hope uh, that I was never, ever going to be talking about, but it happened. So is how can Barcelona overcome Iniesta's injury? He's going to be absent between three, four and five weeks, depending whether you trust the Barca medical staff or not. And Barca have a problem, don't they? Yeah, I think they do. But also in the same respect, they shouldn't have a big problem because the answer to this question, and while this is a difficult question that Barcelona is going to have to figure out, I think the answer that Valverde is going to go with is pretty much right in front of our faces. So to try to answer this question, I want to start and work backwards because obviously not that we're responding to some of the things that people say on social media and not even to us, but some of the questions that are screamed out into the dark of Barcelona Twitter. So working our way backwards, for those who have mentioned Carlos Alenia, and I can't believe in a segment about Iniesta being out for injury, he'll be the first player I name. But I say Carlos Alenia for those saying, oh, this is his perfect time. This is the opportunity. He should get a start against Chelsea. Well, that's a little bit of nonsense. He's not coming on. He's He might get a role on the bench just because of bodies if Denis Suarez is still frozen out of the matchday squad. But Alenia will not be featuring in the starting lineup against Chelsea. He won't be playing against Chelsea. That's not in the cards. That's not in the equation because he's going to be with the B team, and I'm going to talk about the B team later on. That said, people on Twitter are also screaming for Sergi Roberto moving into the midfield, and that's something else that, while it's a little more likely than Elena, I also think is very, very skeptical, because Nelson Semedo is out for the same amount of time that Iniesta is going to be out. He should be back around the same week, the first week of April, and Iniesta might be pushed to the second week. But for Semedo out, that means Sergi Roberto is going to play right back. No one else has played right back this season for Barcelona's A-team. And with Alex Vidal in the club, people said, oh, just move him at right back. He hasn't played a right back. He's just playing on the right wing. And Vidal, I think, is part of Valverde's solution for all this. But I think we need to get the idea of Sergio Roberto moving over to that left midfield spot where Iniesta has been and kind of push those two ideas out of our head completely. I totally get what you're saying. I think the key point here is what will Valverde actually do? And if that is the question, I fully agree with you. I really don't think he's going to put uh, Vidal as right back for the first time in the season and trust Sergi Roberto in Iniesta's spot, which would I believe would be the second time this season because um, there was a game, I think it was away at Betis, in which he moved to midfield and he played in the left for a little while. Now, is that the right thing to do? Well, if it was me... That's precisely what I would do if I was managing Barca today, which, for better or worse, um, is not one of my job duties. But I would pop Alex Vidal at right back because of what he cannot moving forward. And I would definitely put Sergio Roberto, because I think he, within our current squad, he's the most similar player within our current squad that's available, obviously, because obviously Coutinho cannot really play in the Champions League. Um, I think he would be the best choice because he because of his um, ability to control the game, because of his passing skill, because of his understanding and, and basically his experience, because he may not have done it at first team level for too long, but all through his career at Barca, coming through the ranks in La Masia, that is where he used to play. And I think it would be a great, great option. But if we're talking about what Valverde is likely to do, then I agree with you. No, that's, that's not an option because he hasn't done it so far. Yeah, I'd say you and I would need a few more Patreon uh, supports for us to get the funds to head over to Barcelona and try to put our 
names in the hat as co-managers of Barcelona. For sure, for sure. And uh, not even me leaving there would be able to afford that. <laughs> yeah, but again, if you want to at least help us continue the podcast, maybe not become Barcelona managers, but the podcast, of course, that's on our Patreon page. It's patreon.com backslash the Barcelona podcast. Well, anyway, back to La Gran Pagunta. I think the answer, in a sense, is right in front of us in La Liga. And what I keep saying that is that Coutinho is going to start in La Liga games now from from now on. Un- unequivocally, if he is healthy, Coutinho will start and most likely start at that left midfield spot where Iniesta was. And then you have Vidal, Paulinho, Dembele, or Andre Gomez on the right. That's what it is. The four of them will occupy that right midfielder spot depending on the matchup. And we've seen Vidal has gotten his starts. Paulinho has gotten his starts. Dembele has gotten a start or two since he returned. And Andre Gomez has been a valuable part. And again, he's going to be a player that that's the first time we mentioned him on the pod. But we're going to talk about him a lot now moving forward in the show if you're ready for some Andre Gomez talk. Now, for me, the real question that we're basically asking and the one that so many of our listener questions ask is what will be Valverde's lineup against Chelsea then next week because that's what it is Coutinho who's going to start in all the La Liga games is unavailable there in the first leg Valverde started Iniesta on the left Paulinho on the right and now that left midfield spot has either been occupied by either Iniesta or Coutinho all season long so somebody else will need to play there and I don't see him changing the formation again for all those who say well you change the formation move Barcelona back to the Kroos 4-3-3 and we're back to the glory years Fit Xavi in instead of Rakitic. Perfect. Everything works out. Awesome. But I don't think Valverde is going to change up the formation. But my gut tells me that Andre Gomes against Chelsea will start on the left. Paulinho will start on the right in that game. And you look at the credit that is given to Andre Gomes. And of course, Barcelona Twitter and social media is hard on the player. And do I think he's a starting 11 player? And have you said in the past that he's a starting 11 player? Not for Barcelona, certainly. A top La Liga team, yes, not for Barcelona, but he does have a role to play. And we talk about, and you've said this many times, that the starters for Barcelona have to go 14 deep. And we're at that point now with Iniesta out that Andre Gomes is going to be thrust probably into a starting role. And you saw that Ter Stegen and Iniesta Valverde both were yelling at the fans at the Camp No for whistling at Gomes when he was timid or not necessarily being particularly accurate with his passing against Atletico Madrid when he came in for Iniesta. And so I think in the same way that Kules have been told to get behind Dembele and give him your support, I would say that we need to now think of Andre Gomez in that exact same way, that this is his time to shine. This is his time, not to even to shine, but to be a valuable piece of the team. And now Kules have to throw their support behind him as well. Agreed. Totally agreed. I think Andre Gomez is, I don't think ever going to be a Camp Nou favorite. You know, I've been going to the Camp Nou for many decades, far too many, to be honest. And once the Camp Nou starts complaining like that, starts whistling as soon as you walked in, because if you, re- I don't know if you watched, um, if you pointed that out while you were watching, the moment that Iniesta comes off the pitch, obviously the Camp Nou fans are disappointed. And Valverde decides that Gomez is going to come in. There's some whistles already so basically, that's not even whistling Andre Gomez himself. That's Valverde for having chosen him because you had Paulinho, you had Dembele, and you had Gomez warming up, and Gomez was the one that was chosen. Now, I have not seen in three decades of going to the Camp Nou, the Camp Nou changing their minds on any player who was whistled at the start that severely and, and changed it around. To be honest, the most recent and the most significant point of that is a little bit Paulinho, but not even him 
was um, suffering what Gomez had to suffer against Atletico Madrid, which, you know, I, I totally respect every fan and we can all have different opinions. And to be honest, that's what makes football that exciting. But if your team is playing against the second team in La Liga, which are our closest rivals, you really have to support everybody, regardless of whether you think it's a, it's a bad decision or a fantastic decision. Um, and and no, I do I do get that fans pay their tickets and you know they're entitled to their opinion. I totally understand that. But for me, it's not the time to do that. I don't think it was the right game. I don't think it was the right occasion to to show the, your disapproval like that. And that's what definitely Valverde. But I, I saw um, Luis Suarez was clapping. Um, Ter Stegen turned to the fans and then started clapping. So I think in the Camino then sort of decided to change their minds. Most people. And uh, it sort of became more of the let's complain about Gomez game than actually focus on beating the second closest rival in La Liga. But uh, that, that put aside, I think personally, I don't really like what Gomez adds from an attacking perspective. I think he's not the most creative, I think because of the whole situation. But then again, he's brought a lot of this up himself. He is just not very confident, you know, and, and sometimes there was a very clear ball yesterday I think it was the first one in which he reached the final third and the, the ball was opened up to him he had four different passing options inside the area and he could have taken a shot himself as well and he decided to do neither so he was passing he passed it to the goalkeeper so all of those factors are definitely playing up in his head but it is up to him and it can only be him that to turn the situation around and get the, the players and his staff and definitely the fans behind him. It's a, he's a divisive figure. He probably is the most frustrating player in years. I was already featuring 24 matches and not scored once and only given one assist. So the Andre Gomez conundrum is a very difficult one to solve. And I think at this moment in time, all we can do is trust the manager and, and support the player because otherwise we're shooting ourselves in the foot. And the Kool-Aids were chanting and wanting Dembele. That was what, that's the player that everybody wants to see. But in that match against Atletico Madrid, Dembele wasn't the right choice. You saw where he thrived against Girona. And even against Girona, he wasn't the most decisive player on the field. Coutinho, Luis Suarez, Messi, Rakitic were more important than that match. Much, much more important than Dembele, who was pretty wasteful in that first half in a match that you won by five. And against Atletico Madrid, the important part was staying tight and staying in your defensive positioning. And I think that's where so much of that hate for Paulinho and Andre Gomes comes from, is that because they're not Iniesta, they're not Xavi, and I'd say they're not even the likes of Fabregas, that they're not those kind of players technically. And while Andre Gomes has a little more of technical ability, or and more, re- more likely a comparison would be Busquets, is that Gomes, because of his height, would technically look a lot more like Busquets on the field. That said... Dembele does a, a different job for the team in different situations, in different matches than Paulinho and Andre Gomes do. And I think while criticism should be valid for Paulinho and for Andre Gomes, and Paulinho, of course, two weeks ago, we broke down who that fourth midfielder was, and he we highlighted Paulinho and some of the things that he was dealing with, not only the injury, but also, again, his full season in China, and then a full season in La Liga with all that Valverde is asking of him. They do a different job. They stay in that channel. They stay in that spot. They don't go with defenders one-on-one offensively. And Andre Gomes is constantly going to cut the ball back. And Polino does a very similar thing, though he's a little more forward-thinking with his passing. And he takes risks. He takes chances. So he's not going to be tight with his passing. It's not going to be 100% every time. 
but they do a job, they run hard, and they don't allow spaces defensively to happen. And they allow Alba and Roberto to defend much better, and they make sure that Alba and Roberto are not put in two-on-one situations. And that really is the marquee job that they have when they're on the field, more so than going forward. Valverde has put a great trust in the partnership between, we'll say, Alba and Messi, and Messi and Suarez, and the magic of Messi. Not that it's Messi dependence, but he has put a, a great value in what Messi can do and what he has done this season when he's at the top of his game offensively. And so that means Paulinho, Andre Gomes, and even to a point Vidal have key defensive duties. And that's why against Atletico Madrid, that one goal that was scored by Messi on the free kick could be enough to win the game. Because in Barca's 4-4-2, where they do look a lot like Atletico Madrid, they didn't allow more than one shot on target. As we said, Griezmann was in flying form, fantastic form, some of the best of his, of his career, and Diego Costa has plenty of confidences of, well, when does Diego Costa not have confidence? But he was playing with plenty of confidence, and yet not a sniff of the two of them in that attack whatsoever, because not only is Pique and Umtiti doing well, Alba and Roberto defensively are much better this season than last, but Rakitic, Busquets in the midfield are helped out centrally and able to stay central because of the work rate of those midfields in the channels because they are keeping it very tight, keeping it in the middle of the field, and their midfield is still superior. The Barcelona midfield will be, almost regardless of who is there, still superior because of what they have, and if that forces, as it has Messi, to drop back a little bit farther so that they can dominate the midfield as they do, they're going to continue to do that. That is what Barcelona is this year. That is what they look like, and Barcelona Kules are, are not that they have to accept that because you have to continue to expect more, but you also have to recognize that that's what's going to win trophies. And while integrating Coutinho and getting Dembele up to speed, they might be more beautiful on the field next season, but they are aesthetically what they are this year. And with the team they have this year, that's what Valverde is going for three different trophies with. Yes, and also after the game in the press conference, Valverde was asked directly, once you have Paulinho, Dembele and Gomez warming up, why did you choose Gomez? And He's sort of gave a roundabout answer. And then at the end he said, and I chose Gomez because he keeps the balance of the team, um, which in a way, he didn't say this directly, but it also means if I put Dembele, I'm putting another forward. If I'm putting another forward, I'm changing formation. It would go for a 4-3-3, obviously, and that would break the team. Um, that was, those are not my words. Those are the manager's words. Now, I, I think that we could win La Liga playing with a 4-3-3. Uh, I mean, we've won a lot of ligas playing that that formation, but um, the last couple of years that wasn't as successful as it should have been, and we had Neymar in the team. Uh, but you know, obviously, as we've spoken about in the podcast before, that enabled Neymar to shine. But then again, his defensive duties are not necessarily something to be incredibly proud of, or were to something to be incredibly proud of, and that also blocked up Jordi Alba, who's been excellent this season. So. Because Valverde is the manager and he's someone who is very analytical, very strategic and sort of understands the players he's got at his disposal, he prefers to keep the balance. And that's why I don't think Sergio Roberto going into midfield is going to be a reality. I don't think a 4-3-3 switch with Dembele being the third striker or the third forward is going to be something that Valverde is going to do either. Um, I did consider several situations and several options for this. I mean, Paulinho, 38 appearances already, eight goals scored, two assists given. That's pretty good. But obviously, lately, 
he has only sort of done a job as an attacking midfielder and he's been declining quite a bit. I mean, I'm not going to say his form is alarming, but clearly he's not at the peak of his season, which, as we said before, um, started in China four months before everyone else's. Denis Suarez hasn't really been called up at all. Um, he's not even being considered. I think that's quite strange, particularly that I've been looking through the stats and he's only played 18 matches this year, but actually he's provided three goals and five goal assists in that time, which is not amazing, but it is way better than what Gomez has done so far. And from the point of view of assisting, also double double and a half better than Paulinho. Um, so it is, it is a difficult situation and... You know, we're never going to find someone who can't replace Iniesta. I mean, the guy is a machine. He's a unique player, once in a lifetime. There's never going to be anyone else like him ever again. And, and that we need to accept. But what he can add as a job to the team, we just need to take the best of and make sure, or in a way, cross our fingers so that the rest of the players who can actually do the job when he's away can pick up some of that slack. Yeah, certainly I agree with all those points, and not that, that we always agree with each other, Frances, but I think we're at a point where not that we're trying to be overtly positive in a season that there's only one loss all season long, and then they reverse the tie, of course, in the Copa del Rey against Espanyol, but Valverde is getting results, and that's what the season comes down to. And the, the last point I would say is that Iniesta aesthetically does something for the club, and he plays in a certain way that, I mean, of course, we love to watch it. That's why Iniesta is an all-time favorite or the favorite player of so many Kool-Aids who've been watching over the last 15 or so years, where Iniesta has certainly shined in all the ways that he does. And not every player and almost no player is like Iniesta. And to replace him, you're going to replace him with someone that's not as aesthetically pleasing. But as long as the results are there, it's the byproduct of what's going to happen with what's on the field. And for me, I think we also have to look at when Coutinho is starting against the Liga teams, there are going to be games like Girona that teams are more wide open and that Barcelona are going to eviscerate by large scoring margins. And you're going to have those teams like a Hadafe that are going to sit in deep and Barca is going to have to either get a 0-0 draw in the Liga and that's still going to win on the league, or they're going to have to have a 1-1, 2-2 scoreline or something like that and just get the result any way they can. And Barca is still going to win the league, the league that way. And I think it's almost a, a bit of hypocrisy if I was just watching Celta de Vigo against Las Palmas, actually. And of course, Las Palmas, who wound up losing this one on a 2-1 late winner. But that's a team in the relegation zone at the start of that match and at the end of the match. And a team that also drew Barcelona then in the last week, 1-1. And we argue that teams in the Liga aren't rubbish and they can compete top to bottom with a league like the Premier League week in and week out. A table which, by the way, Pep Guardiola has wrapped up for a few months now. And yet we as Kules and Madridistas do the same thing. There's an expectation that Barcelona and Real Madrid will not only win every match in La Liga against everyone but each other, but they will also dominate every match. And I think it's a discredit to the rest of the league who usually only play once a week when Barcelona play the Copa del Rey and the Champions League in midweek. So they're playing so many more games. It's a discredit to the rest of the league to have these expectations that every game, because Barcelona are more talented, is going to be utter domination. So I think along the way, 
with Iniesta out over the next month, the next month, there is going to be some frustrating games against teams that Barcelona should be blowing out. And yet they're going to be closer than they should be. But Barcelona at the end of the day are going to get the results to win the table. That is what they've proven. They do not lose. They have a good defense. That said against Chelsea, that's what this question really, as I said, comes down to. And for me, it's hard for me to tell you what my starting 11 would be, Frances, because I think the starting 11 against Chelsea is going to be the one that Valverde picks. It's going to be Luis Suarez and Messi up top, obviously, in a 4-4-2. Behind them, in the middle of the field, is going to be Busquets and Rakitic. Of course, that's a no-brainer. On the left, I believe he puts Andre Gomes. On the right, he puts Paulinho. Right back is obviously Sergio Roberto with Semedo out. Left back is Jordi Alba. There's no other option. Of course, Dinier is a far distant backup. And then you have Pique Unumtiti in the middle. That's going to be the starting 11. Obviously, Ter Stegen goes without saying. And that's going to be the starting 11. And if it's not Gomez on the left, I don't know what the option potentially then would be because Vidal has only played on the right. He has not yet played on the left. And if it is Vidal, maybe it is more of a 4-3-3 and where Messi's a little bit farther behind Vidal and Suarez where they're up top. And then in the three in the midfield, you have Gomez or Paulinho with Busquets and Rakitic but I think it's going to be that 4-4-2 and I, I again another option doesn't scream off the page to me and you're probably going to be right with that um, based on the fact that Iniesta's out and Semedo is out and there's very little room for maneuver um, not that it matters very much but I think my 11 uh, is worth sharing um, I will go for Ter Stegen on goal Piquet on TT and centre-back obviously Alba as a fullback on the left, and for me it's Alex Vidal as a right back. Then I will have Busquets as always, and I will have Rakitic doing what he does lately. Um, but obviously a little bit more opened up to the right as a right interior, where he used to play with Luis Enrique. For me, the, the inter- interior on the left is going to be Sergio Roberto, and that's what I would do anyway. And I would play three up front, because against Chelsea we need to get the win. So it would be Messi doing what Messi does somewhere in the center or wherever he drifts towards. I will have Suarez doing what he does as well. And I will have Dembele as a right winger. And I will basically go all out against them. I think um, knowing Chelsea, they're probably going to counter-attack and try to catch us up like that. But you need to run risks. And it is important that we get... Of we don't need a win to qualify. But I think at the Camp Nou, if we can't score a goal, it's going to be very difficult for Chelsea to come and bite us. But that's my starting eleven, which... I know for a fact it's not going to happen, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah, and I think us giving our starting 11s at this point in the show also, we've answered a lot of listener questions. And of course, if that was your question, who replaces Iniesta or what was your starting 11 against Chelsea going to be? Well, we've answered it in La Grande Pergunta. So we thank you for all of those questions. And we had a ton of those two questions, who would replace Iniesta and what would the starting 11 against Chelsea be? Let's move on to La Ronda de Preguntas. We're without... Yoenia Karali today, and to her, of course, we have to say, Permolz Anis, is that correct? In Catalan, happy birthday to Oenia Karali, so she's celebrating now, so it's just going to be Frances and I for La Ronda. It's Permolz Anis, uh, it's Catalan, you don't say Anis, that, that actually means something different, which is a drink, but yeah, Permolz Anis, I think you did quite well, I think we need to be, we need to be supportive of each other, well done, Dan. <laughs> okay, so I'll stick to happy birthday then from here on out, Frances. Um, for all the birthdays here 
as we continue the show. Anyway, let's move on. Time for some Barcelona B and Barca Femini. Quick updates on them. Barca B are in 16th place in the table, three off the drop zone due to the recent results, and more recently, and more impressively, some draws on the road. The last three matches for the B team, a 2-1 win over Lugo, a 1-1 draw with Gymnastic, and an impressive 0-0 draw with Real Oviedo. Bad news, Mark Cardona, who has been the striker since Lozano went to Girona, again, we saw him in that 6-1 victory for Barcelona, is out with injury himself for four weeks or so. Albo Ruiz, however, who we know is a highly touted young Spanish striker, who'd been injured and has recently returned, will now have the the pressure again thrust on him in a starting spot most likely. The good news for Barcelona B is that three of their next seven opponents are in the relegation zone, and the other four are all fighting for either the automatic qualifier spots or the playoff spots. So basically, if they get results against the bottom three, and even if they lose against the other four, they can almost ensure that they'll stay up, because after that, there's only six more matches than remaining. And if they get half the results in those, they'll wind up staying up. And I know it's a lot of math and a lot of moving parts, but basically there's 13 matches left for the season for Barcelona B, and they're pretty close. If they can continue to get results at home, they'll wind up staying up in the Segunda Division. And for Carlos Alenia... And Arneith trying to come back from injury. This has been a bright season for at least those two. And again, injuries have plagued Barcelona B even worse than the first team. And we're going to talk about that plenty over the summer. Meanwhile, Barcelona Femini, they've been off since February the 25th. So not much to update. That was a 4-1 win over Valencia. They're at the top of the table. And they're off until this Sunday, the 11th, against Atletico Madrid, which, much like the men's first team, is basically for the title. So if Barcelona Femini can get the three points against Atletico Madrid they have at least one and a half hands on the trophy for the women's division. And so that's some good news for Barca Femini, particularly if they win this Sunday. Frances, would you like to respond to that or should we go right to the listener questions? No, I'm very impressed with Barca B coming out of the hole, to be honest. I mean, I think uh, although the signings uh, in the winter window weren't necessarily popular because, you know, we want to promote La Masia, etc., that was something that was needed and, and, and the evidence is there to, to shine, to be honest. Um, hopefully we can continue to improve and incorporate more of our young players from La Masia in, in main games to come. And as for the ladies, I can't wait for the Atletico clash. All right, let's get into La Ronda. Luis asks, how do you guys like our defensive play yesterday? I love how quickly we get the ball back. That pressure that Barca injects as soon as they lose the ball is crazy. No other team does this 90 minutes like Barcelona. Rakitic and Busquets have been incredible. I agree, obviously, with Busquets and Rakitic against Atletico Madrid. Barely had a foot wrong. And it's not the high pressure that we've seen from Barcelona teams and like the Guardiola team of the past. It's not that high, high, high field pressure that Liverpool and Dortmund do nowadays. But it's enough pressure that the opponent has to be worried about every kick. I think it's the way in which Valverde has added a new shade to Barca's game. Um, If we are going to be Pep Guardiola, Cruyff sort of Puritans, then obviously we're not going to like what Valverde is doing, uh, particularly in games like, say, the one against Atletico, in which the second half, in a way, we turned into Atletico, didn't we? Because... Um, the visitors were dominating a lot of the time. They're having a lot of possession and we were countering, to be honest. But that was what was needed. Um, I don't want to make up excuses, but picking up on what Sergio Busquets said after the game, I mean, they only played in Las Palmas a couple of days beforehand. And, you know, if you know anything about Spanish geography, Las Palmas is actually really far. It's um, 
it's 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 closer to Africa than it is to Spain, and uh, there was a hugely sort of long flight, the longest flight you're going to have playing in La Liga, and I think everything played a factor. Um, Barca sort of pushed in the first half as much as they could, but then without Iniesta, without Semedo, um, the, the, the legs were really tired, and I think that is a factor. Obviously, it cannot be used as an excuse. Barca should be dominated against any rivals, and I definitely get that, but I think the fact that Valverde is adding different shades to the game and is prioritizing solidarity, sacrifice, collaboration to other areas which sort of shown through throughout the Guardiola years is adding what the team needed and was lacking last year. I mean, we're not fearing that we're going to go into, say, PSG or Bayern Munich or Juventus or any major teams in Champions League and going to lose 4-0 anymore, are we? Whereas last season, we didn't know what was whether we were coming or going and what was going to happen. And I think that is the key difference. Whether it's a different for the better, I mean, remains to be seen. And But Augusto's colored, which is everyone's got different tastes and as many colors as there are in the rainbow. And we're never really going to agree, but the team is unbeaten. We are eight points ahead uh, of our Atletico Madrid followers. And... That's what you wanted at the beginning of the season. Whether you agree with the way we play is a different story. Next up, Kule for Life asked, what can Barca and La Masia do to bring in bigger players in the youth system? Gomez and Pauli aren't Barca blood and are having trouble with the system. Buzi came through the system and is world class. How do we get more size earlier on? And I don't think this is necessarily just a Barcelona issue. I know it's different in the States, where in the States, which, again, is a little bit behind what the youth development is in Spain, if you're a big kid, you're going to play striker or you're going to play goalkeeper. Early on, you're most likely going to be put up top and asked to score the goals, and you look at PK. He was originally a striker. You put the big kid who's bigger than everyone else at their age group when they're 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, and then you put them up top and they score all these goals, and then when everyone else develops around them, they don't necessarily work that way where they're pushed back either the center back or they have to define new new skills or they're even kicked out of the academies completely so being a bigger kid when you're younger can be a disadvantage a great disadvantage to your development and I think that happens both not especially in the U.S. but um, even in Spain I think it happens a, a lot of times to kids and for the midfield of course we see why what's one of the Messi's best qualities is that he has a very low center of gravity because he's not that tall and Xavi wasn't that tall, a very low center of gravity that can turn on a dime. He really is Busquets, and this is another term that we've heard used in basketball here in the U.S. and the NBA. He is a unicorn is what he is. He's this mythical, gigantic creature in the midfield that, you, yes, you have uh, Matic at Man United and, of course, Busquets. And you do have some of these gigantic, tall midfielders that are good with their feet. But to have a guy this technical who has such a high such a such a high center of gravity on their body, such a high waistline, you really never see that. So the answer would, to me would be that there's not that many tall players because that's just not how they wind up moving into the midfield. You're, you're not going to get midfielders that tall very often. At the risk of sounding like cosmopolitan here, I don't think size matters very much. Um, I think that Espanol throughout the youth system are the ones that prioritize kids that are taller and stronger. I think at Barca it's all about quality, it's all about collaboration, it's all about vision um, and obviously touch and technique and, and quality on the ball and I'm proud that that's the way and I hope that that continues to be now. The, the, obviously the most important point moving forward is that players like that 
get trusted and get continuity over the ranks so that they can excel at Barca B and make it into the first team, which hopefully Alanya will do very soon. Again, we had a ton of questions this week on Andre Gomes, Iniesta, and the starting 11 against Chelsea and whether or not that would include Paulinho or Vidal. So I would propose that everyone who asks those questions, check out La Gran Pagunta because that'll give us our final question of the day and it comes from Ray Asagueda. And he asks, now, Arthur, I understand wanting players that will fight for their place, but there is no way La Pancilla players will play before stars. And I think this actually ties in to La Gran Pagunta where we say that Gomez and Paulinho don't have that Barcelona DNA, but they have a place to play in Valverde's Barcelona. But if Barcelona want to be a certain club with certain players and Arthur does have that DNA, or at least the board and the scouts all believe that he has that DNA, should we be bringing in players that we only believe can play the Barcelona style and fill in the rest with La Masia, Or we should just say that La Masia are going to be the only ones with that Barcelona DNA? I guess that's my add-on question to ask you, Frances, because I, I, I didn't really answer it. I'm putting on you. No, you didn't answer. That, that's, that's fine. Um, would Arthur start against Chelsea if he was available, given everything we've said today? I think the answer is yes. Yes, he would, because he adds a different dimension to the game. He understands the game in a different way, and he's much more confident and creative on the ball. I mean, but similarly, Coutinho would start if he was available um, in terms of selection because obviously he's played for Liverpool already in the Champions League. So I think either one of those two players, if they were available, they would be starters and I think they add to the team. Now, are you going to bring Arthur to be a bench player to Coutinho and Iniesta? Well, probably not. But then again, if he's going to come for 40 million, then the answer is maybe you just want to do that um, if you've got the money for it or more importantly, if you can sell on, say, Alcácer and Dennis and Gomez, then that's the money for Arthur. I think that's a good exchange. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And I think with that, we wrap up another edition of the Barcelona podcast. This was episode 67. Of course, we'll have another show out later this week. But for us, that's La Gran Pagunta. And while we try to be positive, the question of losing in yes is a negative one. But I think there's quality throughout the club, Frances. Of course, I think it's all about improving the squad um, as years go by. I mean, in our previous podcast, we discussed Griezmann and he, what he would add. I strongly recommend that if you haven't listened to that, you go back. Because um, I think that what we brought to the table was really relevant. Um, if you have listened to it, thank you very much, obviously. And yeah, I think let's just go for Chelsea. Let's just get our next match before Chelsea in the back first. And with Iniesta or without we should continue to challenge for the treble if we're all together, supportive, and we trust our manager, which hopefully we can all do. And that officially wraps up the Barcelona podcast, another edition in the books. Again, we ask you please subscribe, leave us a comment. We also thank you for the iTunes reviews that have been popping up in recent weeks. So thanks for listening to the Barcelona podcast, bringing the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. And Barca Barca. Barca.